The Quintessential Podcast is proud to announce that we have a new presenting sponsor, Axia Time. Axia Time is a really cool watch company focused on ultra-custom watches to commemorate life's greatest accomplishments. Watches whose styling and quality match the significance of the accomplishments they represent. Axia Time is also partnered with all the leading lacrosse organizations to create all-American timepieces for high school boys and girls and college men and women. Axia Time even creates timepieces for elite awards like the Tuareton and Naismith. If you're interested in a high-quality, Swiss-made timepiece to commemorate a great accomplishment, you need to check out their designs at axiatime.com. That's A-X-I-A time.com. If you're celebrating a team achievement, like a state championship, national championship, or even world championship, you have to check out the timepieces they created for teams like Jesuit Dallas, the University of Maryland, and even the USA U21 world champions. Paul Rabel is our guest this week on the Quintessential Podcast. Joining us live from L.A., I was out uh, filming a movie at USC a couple weeks ago. They, they put us up downtown Paul in the the Hoxton, which is like downtown LA, an old one of those old hotels down there that they've refurbished. Downtown LA, which seems to be m- turning in the right direction, the downtown area. Yeah, yeah. Wow. What was the film? Can can you discuss? Uh, yeah, uh, Anthony Robles, a wrestler I covered back in 2011 and 12, who was born with one leg, who won the national NCAA championship. He wrote a book called Unstoppable, and they've converted the book into a movie. Starring uh, Jennifer, Jennifer Lopez and Don Cheadle and the same people who produced Air. And right. uh, I, I played myself. So I was out there for two days. Uh, so got good. Got to, oh, it, was, it was amazing. Who's the studio, who's the studio, that, who's the studio that's behind that? Uh, ben Affleck, Matt Damon, that group. Yeah, yeah, the production house. But I wonder who's going to distribute it. If it's like Warner Brothers or Netflix, Apple. Anyway, our boy, the reason I say that is our boy, Tom Rothman, he's yes. a prime candidate for this, chairman of Sony Motion Picture Group, Brown lacrosse player, great attackman, love that guy. Hey, have you ever been to John Reed Fitness Center in downtown LA? I haven't. I don't spend much time in downtown LA. I, I hear it, it is coming around, but I'm, yeah. I'm more uh, close to the water in Santa Monica. Beautiful. That well, just anyway, that place. Uh, if you're downtown and you want to work out, check it out. The the lighting and the music. If I felt like I was working out in in a club, it was it was unbelievable. You're always oh. on the grind, man. You're always working out. I feel like I should interview you. I've been wanting to get on this podcast with you for a while, and Quint, you've been uh, calling games on ESPN for as long as I've been playing lacrosse. I've looked up to you as as uh, ambassador for the sport. Your continual your continued intellectual curiosity around the game, your resilience through the ups and downs. Remember in the early 2000s, we were calling for sellouts at M&T Bank and it went in the other direction. Now we're coming back up. Um, There's there's so much more to be said, but uh, anyway, thank you for having me. And uh, what I will tell everyone going back to that last point is this guy never misses a workout. No. Never misses a workout, and you might hear about it on on television too, because because they'll recount them. <laughs> well, it's a vital part of of who I am, and if I stop working out, I die, and and my brain power also goes with it. Uh, current news: Bill Belichick, who I believe will end up in the PLL uh, in in a management role or a coaching role someday, uh, is now no longer the coach of the Patriots. He, he's fifteen wins shy of Don Shula's record. So my gut, 
and you, you've probably talked to him. I haven't. My gut is that he wants to continue to coach. I usually see him at the senior bowl week in two weeks. He won't, uh, maybe he'll be there in some other capacity or maybe he'll get a new job, but I do see him ending where it all started. And that's in the sport of lacrosse. Is that fair? Well, that would be amazing. I think we have to try to manifest that type of stuff. You know, Bill is, uh, you know, as a lacrosse guy first, it's, it sort of holds the most real estate in his heart. But right now his mind is mostly occupied by coaching football. And I think that whatever NFL team is able to acquire him this off season is going to be in a far better position than they were last season. Uh, you know, it's just such a great guy has been a friend and a mentor and a coach at times to me. I remember we got on the phone actually the day we heard the news about Petro leaving Johns Hopkins. And the reason I say that is, you know, he, one thing that he is incredible at that often doesn't get discussed because of how many winning seasons he's had with the Patriots is responding to adversity. Uh, he is incredibly optimistic, thoughtful, strategic, action oriented. Um, and I know that right now he's being flooded with notes and calls and such. Yesterday he was number one trending globally on Twitter. Um, but I'm sure he's he's already, you know, pressing the gas on action for his next steps. I'd love for, for it to be at the PLL. Uh, we've had those conversations before. Um, you know, hopefully one day he uh, he decides to do it. Um, but right now I want to continue just to be supportive as a friend. I think he will do it. I think though it's uh, probably two or three years from now. Uh, they they hearing now. I think I've been asked. I've been asked quite a bit, but I, I haven't heard uh, anyone else be asked directly, at least publicly. So, uh, do you? How do you think he would be as a professional lacrosse coach? I think he'd be outstanding. I think he would add tremendous value to the league from, from a lot of uh, from a, a lot of facets. It would take him some catching up to do, but man, he in my conversations with him, Paul, he is dialed in. He yeah. knows he knows everything about all these programs. You know, I see him at the Senior Bowl in Mobile every year, and we talk. And I want to talk football and talk about evaluating players, and he wants to talk yeah. about lacrosse, yeah. right? So, so you know, somewhere in the middle we meet. Uh, I, I've just loved our our, uh, our conversations we've had. So I, I I do think he wants Don Shula's record, and he's fifteen wins away. Okay, so yeah. that's two or three more years in in football coaching. You know, and there's probably going to be another opportunity for him to do what Tom Brady did, which is win with yes. another organization. You know, and those two, those two and, and great up guys and, yes. and advocates of lacrosse and supportive of what we've been doing and watching what they're doing, Tom's kids play. Um, and they, uh, they are more unified than what the media may try to create around Bill, Tom, the crafts, um, we're we're sort of a part and parcel to each other's yeah. success, and and I think in life, and we've talked about this before. In life, there's a human urge or instinct to uh, find an answer that's definitive. We call it living in the binary. It's black or white thinking, and that makes its way to Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, who's better, or you know, Tom didn't need Bill or Bill didn't need Tom. And, and the, the answer and most of the time in life is, is what's in between. And we always sort of sit in these gray areas and it's amalgamation of certain things that lead to certain outcomes. And we have to trust and stick to the process. And that's what both of them are really good at 
is embracing the process. Like LeBron James is the same way. He loves practice. And, and I think that's a great characteristic of some of the best lacrosse players. Would he be more interested in being an ops director at Hopkins, Navy, Harvard, or, or could the PLL coaching be, be in his future? We'll find out. Champ Series is up next for you. Okay. February, the St. James, which is an incredible venue. Cotter loves it because he gets the hotel, he gets the gym, he gets the action of the games. You got sixes format. I know the women now are going to have a game. Uh, what should fans know about the, the uh, championship series? Well, I think it's some of the best lacrosse that's played every year. I said it last year, I went on record, and and there was a lot of um, conversation around that where some people said bullshit or, you know, Paul's changing the game too much and all this other stuff, going back to that binary thinking. Uh, I think the pace of play, there was a couple of things for me, pace of play and style of play and time of possession creates an environment where the best players in the world have the ball in their stick more. And that's yeah. what we see in basketball. And that's, basketball. Yeah. that's important for the game. That's important for fans of the game, new fans of the game, partners in the game, because you just get to see um, someone take over. And the beauty in, in 10 on 10 lacrosse is that that's neutralized, which is also an amazing thing. And why I love 10 on 10 lacrosse and summer lacrosse. I grew up and I love playing that and will continue to be supportive of that version of the game. So that's number one. Number two is just understanding how lacrosse works. So there are, let's face it, a lot of rules in lacrosse. And from a shot missing the net and, you know, random players chasing the ball to the end line and a referee dictating who gets possession, that's challenging for sports fans watching lacrosse for the first time. What also is challenging is seeing six guys stand at midfield and watch the action go on the other end. If you actually look at 10 on 10 lacrosse, it's really six on six that has mass substitution rules. Um, so that's the other thing. But when you think about any sport, say lacrosse, and you're going to play five on five with two goalies, which is sixes, you put 10 sticks on the field, 10 players on the field, everyone grabs a stick, you split the team in two, and you play. How would that look? It would look like sixes. One team has it, they shoot, they score, the other team gets it and goes in the other direction. Really simplified version of the game, which is not only why that was the discipline selected by the Olympics, um, but also I think why it's so fun and exciting and enjoyable to watch. I was overwhelmed at first. And then you kind of turn off your brain and just let it go. And all of a sudden I'm like, okay, I get the pace. I get the flow here. And what yeah. I loved about it was that we weren't wasting time talking about sticks, fogos. Again, it's the purest form. It's LeBron and Michael, and they have the ball almost every possession. And that's what fans want to see. Uh, I, I loved it. but it I know there's a couple of things that I think about, too. So one of one of, I think, unanimously across lacrosse practices around the country, favorite drill is the West Jenny drill. For those that don't know, it's a shortened field back and forth. Uh, people love it. We we built a version of that game and people have now all of a sudden disliked it. So you have to start. I ch constantly intellectually challenge myself around my biases. And what am, what am I holding on to? And this is what I'd like to say. 10 on 10 lacrosse is not going anywhere. 
I love that game. And we love that game. And it's played in college and high school and at the youth level. That is the most organic version of the game over the last century, call it, right? But let's also remember that the indigenous game, the game that was adopted today in 10 on 10 was not 10 on 10. And men's lacrosse used to be 12 on 12. Like it's just, it, it, it's, the rules have evolved over time. Um, the last thing I'll say about sixes is that uh, this, is, this is something that people around the world are playing more of. And that is particularly exciting for the game's global growth. And as we approach 2028 in the Olympics and being supportive of this version of the game, I think it's a call to action. that's important for the community. From a TV standpoint, the game doesn't have the nuanced discussions about how to clear against the 10 man ride. And when I think about it, that's a great thing. Uh, it does have innovation. And we saw last year, there were some significant innovations done within it. So there is strategy. You just have oh, to yeah. kind of get yourself up to pace with what you're seeing and then say, okay, what's next? Is it, is it pressing out and taking away the two? Is, is it creating matchups? Is it subbing? Is it playing hangman? Like th so there is strategy here. This is not oh, just a free. So uh, much. That, I, that will I, only I, get I, better. When I look at college basketball versus NBA basketball, and you usually have two, you know, segments of fans that prefer college or prefer the NBA. Adam Silver's done an amazing job of welding the two, I think, as he, as he looks to continue to grow basketball internationally and domestically. But we look at college hoops and there's more full court presses, half court presses, uh, more strategy, so to speak. Um, and the reason why is the players actually aren't as skilled as they are in the NBA. And so when people used to say, oh, the NBA doesn't play defense, bullshit. They play great defense, but part of being an NBA defender is understanding that, okay, Steph Curry can both shoot from 40 feet and beat me off the dribble. So how do I manage essentially like two outcomes that are somewhat out of my control because his skill level is that high? So a full court press in the NBA, you get so much exposure because of the players. It's the same size court in college and bigger players. They do spacing better in the NBA. So I think it, the championship series, as we look at this coming year in sixes, more thought, more intellectual thought from coaches. You'll see new strategies. I thought Chrome, who won it last year, did a great job of keeping ideas in the bag. And then when they played uh, Atlas and championship yeah. games, they deployed those. A lot of half-court presses, things of that nature, similar to basketball, and it worked. I think we'll see more of that, which is exciting. And and the last thing is, I think from a production standpoint, it's I, I love it as well because we're all challenged in the truck to direct the game differently because we don't get um, you know three replays and a face-off after a goal. So we have to pick and choose. It's actually directing the production is more like basketball than it is traditionally like lacrosse or hockey, where you get all this airtime to discuss what just happened. So you have to pick and choose. You have to great, have great memory as a director in the truck and say, okay, now we get a quick break. Let's go back to the last goal. Uh, that to me is excited, exciting as well. Yeah. And I was going to mention that, you know, from my standpoint, I remember watching, I love the end zone views. It's a shooting game. Okay. And so to be behind a shooter or to be behind the goalie, to give you that end to end perspective, I thought was a little more valuable than the, than the high 50 camera, quite honestly, to yeah. see the precision shot making or to see the great save from either in front or behind it. Uh, that would be my only 
points in terms of TV, but it's at the St. James in February. If you're a fan, you're right on top of the action. I mean, it's it's like the Thunderdome. It's unbelievable. And and the women's exhibition that we're hosting, some of the best women's lacrosse players in the world from Charlotte North to Dana Dobie, uh, will be, you know, on site playing at the highest level. What I love about the Olympic version of the game is it's mirroring rules between men's and women's. Now, what we did at the PLL is added a two-point arc and allowed a little bit more physical contact than what you see in Olympic sixes. Uh, the women's will not have a two-point arc um, because of you know just challenges of lack of equipment and how and how uh, fast they shoot the ball. So we're, we're going to learn a lot this year. But the point is. In lacrosse, there has been a narrative for as long as I've been around that it's difficult to cross over fans because the rules are so different between men's and women's. They're not in sixes, which I think will unlock a lot of men's lacrosse fans, the vantage point of truly becoming professional women's lacrosse fans through this form. You got a trip for J to Japan coming up. Uh yeah. It's a place that I traveled to 30 years ago with, with Coach Zimmerman after I graduated. Spent two weeks there. Uh, just loved every minute of it. The, the the reception that we got, the attention to detail, focus, and these practices and scrimmages that that, that I was in charge of. They, they, they sent us to Japan, then they split us. I went up to the old capital. Coach stayed in Tokyo for a week. Took the bullet train up there, and I taught these teams. I had to install a shot clock by back then because they had read Bob Scott's book on motion offense and would never attack the goal. Yep, there you go. It's like the old Dean Smith four corners drill. You know, we're just gonna and, the, and I think we see that a little bit in the World Games uh, this past summer. It's like ball possession's most important because you can't score if you don't have the ball. So we might as well get the ball and hold on to it. Uh, you were a part of the OG team that went over to Japan that helped KO University, um, you know, develop what had already been organic interest in the late eighties. Is that correct? I was not on that trip, but because I missed that trip for the world team tryouts, the following summer coach and I went just by ourselves. Oh, very cool. So uh, Japan got its start in the late eighties uh, organically similar reminds me a little bit of M MCLA ball where you have, uh, two to three guys who just fall in love with this beautiful yeah. game and are hell bent on figuring out funding, access, uh, ground support, i.e., bringing in more players to to put together a ten on ten game. And then Johns Hopkins came over and helped educate and provide more momentum and visual aid. You know, this is really pre <laughs> pre internet, pre internet boom certainly, and there thereby a lack of access to information via media. So it's very imaginative then. But that's a reason why Japan lacrosse is at a level that it is right now is they've been playing so hard and have been pushing uh the boundaries of kind of mass adoption in that country since the late 80s that have carried them through many, many world games all the way to a version of the game that we had just talked about in sixes where they really excel. So it's a great market. I loved my experience in Tokyo last year. I think that, uh, I think the world of Japan lacrosse, we're going to continue to go back there and build this partnership. And I think it really is advantageous for two reasons. It's great for our players to become more culturally, um, you know, cult culturally, uh, you call it like culturally growth uh, and, and get, a, get a chance to get out there and spend time 
with uh, Japanese lacrosse culture. And it's also really great for, um, I think, Japan and their exposure to some of the best lacrosse players in the world and their continued approach to becoming a top three country. At the World Championships this summer, I saw uh, Yusuke Sasaki, who is uh, a, a, he was a Japanese college student who basically introduced lacrosse through the help of Bob Scott, Ross Jones, Jerry Schneidman. As you said, they formed a relationship with Hopkins. But Yusuke came over and he was our manager for three years. He yeah. was an exchange student who was who was uh, our lacrosse manager for three years. Now to see him leading the J Japanese into the World Championships here, what, 30 years later is just... Uh, just remarkable. Well, and Hopkins continued that tradition as we had a, a, an exchange student from Japan that was a part of our 2005 undefeated national championship team. His name was Yohei. And he did everything from practice camera operating work to uh, general, you know, field support for whether we'd go out and need balls and shoot uh, to just locker room camaraderie. You played for Team USA. I get the feeling that that organization is a little bit in a silo in terms of the international opportunities that these players now have, that they're so focused on winning and beating Team Canada that they fail to see that a relationship with Japan, Australia, Switzerland, Sweden, Italy could be remarkably life-changing for some of our athletes. And, and I think that the market is there for your players, your PLL pros, to not only go to Japan, but go to Italy and go to, as I said, Switzerland. Do you sense that, that that's an opportunity now over the next decade or two? I think so. My, my hunch is that you are referring to time at the World Games when, uh, you know, you have 40 countries, I think, maybe maybe slightly less this time. Uh, yeah. They congregate over the course of two and a half weeks. And typically, you know, we all stay in the same compound, um, whether it was my time in Manchester or Denver or my time in Netanya, Israel. Um the U.S. over the past couple of trips have pulled out of that and have stayed off site to focus on their team and winning the World Games. Um, that that feels right. Is that is that is that what you're? Yeah, referring yeah. That, to? No, that's so, what I'm. That, so yeah. So I think it's just a tricky balance, right? Because you have yeah. an organization that has successfully won back-to-back -back gold medals, which does not come okay. in. We've won everyone. We've won everyone. We've lost what two games in the history in, in fifty years. Two, two gold medal games. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, but, but we have lost to Canada quite a bit and the game, honestly, it can go either way every year. So I, I look, I, I think that both can be true at the same time. Team USA can be spending more time with emerging countries and, and connecting. We did that in Manchester. It was really great to be in the central quad with all of the other countries and share sticks and things like that. And, I believe that athletes and coaches and organizations can actually compartmentalize time building together. That doesn't mean taking away time from winning. Um, but you know what the coaches have done worked. And so yes. I back, um, and I think that it is incumbent on the U S away from competitions to, to lean into those relations. Yes. And, and that's where I think that your team, your, your team, your PLL team, can do something each year, whether it's go to Japan, again, go to Kenya. I'm, I'm talking about maybe going to Kenya this summer. Right. Uh, yeah. We're, we're meeting with Australia and we've worked and we've met with a number of groups in the Middle East and Africa and uh, Asia Pacific more broadly. And so uh, we are currently devising a larger PLL international strategy 
that goes beyond just what we've done three times in Japan? Summer of 2024 is around the corner. Uh, a regular season schedule release that I have in front of me. I got a couple of uh, venues circled <laughs> that are that are certainly on my 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 eye. But congratulations! Uh, you know, I I just love the variety and diversity of these cities. Uh, from the Northeast to to places like Minneapolis, Louisville, and then and then of course out west, you know the San Diego trip, uh, Torero Stadium is is such a first class. I mean, between the sun, the beaches, the fish tacos, I mean, you can't go wrong out yeah. west. Yeah, I think that San Diego, like you, is circled on my calendar, and I'm excited to see not only the Redwoods homestand there and every team's homestands. I mean, the Cannons are going back to Harvard Stadium which is really exciting. That was like sort of the birthplace of Boston Cannons lacrosse. Um, you know, it's going to be our best season yet. We have been fortunate as an organization to do this every year. Um, but now there's a hope that we can really take a, a bigger step because we have created ties into communities, which is universal understanding of team sports. Um, and, we also hold space again, coming back to the challenges in life, that our path to getting here was exactly what we needed. We needed to not have teams associated with cities. Remember when we launched with six? Uh, that would have been a significant bet that history has shown uh, wouldn't have been fruitful. Uh, we were able to, through our touring model, create flexibility with network partners to first get NBC, now a great partnership with ESPN. Uh, we've been able to create a more capital and operational efficient model by having all teams in one location, a la Final Four, when we compete. Now we're at that place where we've been able to see the lacrosse fan base, according to an MRI Simmons report, go from 15 million to 45. Whether you like the PLL or not, you're aware of the PLL. So we sort of hit the ceiling around mission one, which is bring professional lacrosse to lacrosse fans and have them feel excited about it, have them watch, have them debate it. Next ceiling is going to be bringing it to the casuals in, in, in North America, where there's roughly, depending on the report, anywhere from 150 to 220 million. Um, and, and we can unlock them through association with the market. Opening weekend is in Albany, uh, June 2nd, with a training camp prior to that. And, and the folks up in the capital region have certainly shown up uh, in droves. And do you think you wrap things up in Salt Lake City in mid to late August, August 16th through 18th? Uh, you know, that Salt Lake City trip we took two years ago when we had the lightning delay before one of those games. But I remember I was walking around talking to some fans, fans from Boise, fans from Las Vegas. That's kind of when it hit me. It was like, wow, this this is really cool here because these, these, these people are watching this and they get a chance to come out and support and they drive four to five hours to watch this lacrosse game, to meet the players in the sideline, to shake my hand, to just be a part of it. And, and that, that I was like, oh, that's why we do this. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a great note. I've been pondering that over the new year. The, uh, you know, sometimes the inherent conflict of trying to get to scale while also being able to sit back and appreciate every single person that is a fan of the PLL or a new fan of the PLL, because they come from all different walks of life. And getting notes over the holiday from parents uh, or kids directly about getting their first in New York Atlas jersey or their first Carolina Chaos jersey and wearing it 
you know, pridefully in their communities. That to me is like, wow, man, we've really been able to build something that connects with people who love connecting with this game. The um, merchandise, well, the merchandising has been an A plus for, for, you. for young people who grow up and don't have a Maryland Terrapin program or Hofstra program, uh, a Yale program that they can associate with for whether it's a family member playing there, whether it's in their community, they, they, they love the merchandise and they wear it. It's, it's, it's incredible the, the yeah. way you guys have, uh, yeah, how get, successfully that's been. We've got a great brand team, great graphic designers, a great merchandise team. We think about it all the time. Uh, there's a lot of room for improvement for us. Um, as we look at that curated kind of product versus getting as much out, and available to people as possible. It's just, you know, the business of sports, the business of product is a complicated one. Uh, but the most important thing is that player or fans who uh, support their clubs have access to being able to wear that support in a proud manner. Um, but yeah, that's, a, that's an area that not only we feel really strongly about, but we want to continue to improve in. Camp series in February. It's PLL.com for tickets. The summer schedule is uh has been released. We're still waiting on some postseason uh locations and dates. Uh, but otherwise it's full speed ahead, right? Yeah, full speed ahead. I think some some big projects that we haven't talked about that are exciting to me is Street Lacrosse, which yeah. uh we launched last year with Kevin Durant, Rich Kleiman, and 35 Ventures. Um, another one is we just announced a partnership with Summit Lacrosse Ventures, a group who runs Lake Placid and a number of other tournaments around the country. They're helping continuing to build our PLL youth business, our youth strategy, which largely is underpinned by our 501, which is called PLL Assist, getting more sticks in hands, more goals on field increasing access, increasing, uh, you know, the understanding of, of the sport being as inclusive as it was when it was first created here in America. Um, all that stuff is, is, uh, is on our radar day to day. And then I try to find out time or carve out time to just be a fan of lacrosse. And we talked to, we started this thing talking about coach Belichick and his affinity for the college game. And he comes to PLL games, but he knows the game. He watches it. And I'm really excited to watch this college lacrosse season. I, I think it should be one of the most exciting we've had in a while, largely because of the caliber of talent, the uh, diversification of schools that I think can win the title this year. Um, and that will all come, you know, to fruition in May following our college draft where we'll see an O'Neill, a Schellenberger and a Kavanaugh probably go uh, in a row and, and see them play at the next level, which is exciting for me. Yeah. Uh, star power, certainly star power from name programs should, should be a, a fantastic year. That's it for this week's episode of the quintessential podcast. Thank you to our guests. Thanks to our technical director, Dr. Nick Z. I want to thank you for listening. And of course, thanks to our sponsor, Axia Time. A watch. What a better gift than a ring. I've got a championship ring. It's collecting dust in a box. I wear watches all the time. Thank you, Axia Time. It's axiatime.com. And we'll see you next week.